All right. We originally were going to have two baptisms today. And that is not happening because one family is sick and the other one, uh, family situations had gone on. And so they actually had to push back all the way into January. So those baptisms will be coming at a later date. We'll make sure that we let everyone know that was going to be part of the message today. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we're actually doing a little thing called Name That Christmas Tune, which is to teach us how to worship during this Christmas season, but then also why these songs mean so much to us. And so for the last couple of weeks, you guys have actually pulled out the hymnal. This is how it works. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you four songs to choose from. You get to guess which one it is. Last week, nobody got it. And then we put it up again. And then some people changed their vote just because they felt bad for the one song that didn't get any votes. And it happened to be that was a song we were teaching on. There's been a different theme as each week goes. So this is week three. Let's see if we can name it. And here's the hint. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This is from Micah 5, verse 4, and then 5a. So, here are your four choices. The Christmas song, Please Christmas, Don't Be Late, by Alvin and the Chipmunks. Nick's already guessing that one. Number two, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. Number three, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Number four, O Come, All Ye Faithful. All right. Who thinks that it's the Christmas song, Please Christmas, Don't Be Late by Alvin and the Chipmunks? Nick. He, he's, he's sure because he thought I tricked everyone last week. Who thinks it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Wow. Who thinks it's O Little Town of Bethlehem? Four of you? Three of you? And who thinks it's O Come, All Ye Faithful? Okay, let's go back. Go back there, Rick. Here's the hint again. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Good, Rick, give it one more time. Is there anyone that thinks this might be the Christmas song with Alvin and the Chipmunks? Other than Nick? No. Sorry, Nick, I gave it everything I could. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Anyone changing? Ooh, someone's giving it to... Nellie's not sure. She's like, oh, I so want to, but I'm not sure. Number three, Old Little Town of Bethlehem. Got a couple, four or five maybe. And then number four, Oh, Come All You Faithful. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, let's go ahead and take a look. What's the next thing? Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. How still we see thy lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight courtney shared with us ahead of time as we were sitting down with the uh praise team that they played a game last night where they go through the different christmas songs but you have to sing the whole time ho 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 and so even for this it's tough to read this as just a verse without, as you're going through it without actually singing it in your head, right? You start off and you go, a little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. And then you find yourself singing this song. So let's talk about the backstory as to how this song came about. The, uh, if you guys want to grab out your hymnals, by the way, this is uh, page 141 on the hymnal. So you can take a look at this. The verse that it ties to in the Bible is actually verse 2, but it ties in verse 4 and verse 5, and that is from Micah. So if you look on the very bottom, there are two names. It says the text is from Philip Brooks, 
and the music is from Lewis H. Redner. Now, Philip Brooks's story is an interesting one because he was a pastor in both Philadelphia and in Boston. He was ordained as an Episcopalian priest, and part of what he chose to do is on Christmas Eve of 1860, right after he was ordained, he went to the Holy Land. And when they got to Jerusalem, there was a certain place that he wanted to celebrate Christmas service, and that was at Constantine's Basilica. So he got on a horse with other people that were there, and they rode the six miles south of Jerusalem to a very specific village called Bethlehem. Now, this village was very specific for a couple reasons. One, it's where they believed that Jesus was born, and the reason they believed that he was born there is because of the prophecy from the Bible, which taught that David was born here. So this was a very obscure village um, and, you know, out, the, out in the middle of nowhere, only about a thousand residents, but it was also known as the city of David. Through this town, another ruler would be born, which was what everybody was looking for. And Micah shared that within his, the verbiage, which ties to this song. Now, not only was it specific, it's because there were so many other towns of this area within this region called Bethlehem. This one is a very specific one that points to David and then pointed to Jesus. So Philip Brooks is riding and as he's going through, he's seeing exactly what the scripture shares. He's seeing shepherds out taking care of their flocks. He's seeing the peace that's going on, the tranquility, the silence that is taking place, all those things. He's watching all of this. And when he gets to Bethlehem, he realizes that they're about to have the service, and they're having it at the service this basilica, which they feel was built over top of the actual manger to where Jesus was born. And so obviously this is something that, that is taking him back, but at the same time he's trying to picture himself with what is taking place within the scripture. And so he wrote these verses down. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now he wrote other verses which you can see within your hymnal, which are four different verses, and he wrote through these. So as he was coming back to the United States, he made the decision. He was like, I would like it if our children sang this song at a Christmas service, just as Nick was sharing how the middle school, they're going to be coming up to sing a song, you know, for us within our Christmas service. It was, it's a very important time to see those that will be handing the church off and will be leaders one day within the church. That is a very important part of ministry. And so he had these words written down and he gave it to Lewis H. Redner. Now, Lewis H. Redner was the organist and his job was to write the music to it. And so every day he would say to Lewis, Lewis, did you write the music yet to that? Because they had to teach the kids. Did you write the music to that? Did you write the music to that? And Lewis was like, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. See, the problem was that Lewis Redner was a real estate guy. And he was so busy within real estate that it was difficult for him to do both. And yet he knew it was something he had to do. And on the night before, he came up with a tune. And they practiced it so that they were ready for the next day so they could present it in the service with the children. He was hoping it was going to be good enough. He was hoping it was going to stick. He had no idea really until the song was done. But remember this, Brooks and Redner are credited with this song. And within this one song, the tune for it wasn't written until the last second. 
the verses had been written years and years and years before. Both the pastor who was busy was hoping it was going to be good enough for his church family. And the guy that wrote the music to it was hoping it would tie to it well enough that it would share the message of hope that tied to those verses. But they were so busy. Everything was going on during that Christmas season. They had to go here. They had to go there. And you think, oh, my goodness, this is 160 years ago. How could they be that busy? This is how the world is. And it's very easy for that darkness to try to push out that light. And yet, we are to be that light in this dark world. So what are some things that we can take from this song, take from these verses, take from the thing that was put away at the last second, and here's what we're going to take away from today. Here's the first thing. There's no such thing as obscure. There's no such thing as obscure. And I think many times we think that we're not significant enough, and we think that, oh, we're just in little old Clinton. This is why I was so excited that we had two baptisms today, because we were going to have these two baptisms, and then, hey, you know what, this little church in, in, in Clinton, Ohio is still baptizing people because there's still people coming forward to get saved. But guess what? Things happen at times, right? Kids get sick. Families, you know, the, the business is scheduled. They didn't check it wherever they should check it. And it, and it happens. But Romans 12, 3 says this, don't think you are better than who you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. And so the great thing about this pastor that wrote this is that he was a very humble servant. In fact, if you read some of his memoirs, he was like, you know, I really wasn't that good of a pastor. I wasn't that good of a speaker. I don't know that I was, you know, really the guy that everyone would turn to. And yet he took two fledgling congregations, one in Philadelphia and one in Boston, and built them up so that those churches could pass on God's message for years and years and years to come. And within it, there was one song that he happened to write that you and I still sing to this day. He said, be honest, Romans said, Paul said, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And I think too many times when it comes to our faith walk, we measure ourselves compared to the world. We measure ourselves compared to others. We measure ourselves that, hey, that church is so much bigger, you know, even though they're in the middle of a city or they're next to a, an interstate or whatever it might be where more people live and more people can come by. And we don't settle the fact that, you know what, it's okay to be the church that we are, okay to be the church family we are. And some people like to be where we are and to focus on that, but it doesn't make us obscure. We have to be humble in who we are, humble in where we started, humble in who we are specifically. Now, this song for Brooks and Redner, quite frankly, would have been what was considered a one-hit wonder. How many of you guys know what a one-hit wonder is? A one-hit wonder is literally just like it sounds. People wrote the song, and for whatever reason, people took to it. How many of you know the song 8675309? How many of you halfway th through it started singing 309, 8675309? Go! Y'all did it in your head, right? We're not worship leaders. That was a one-hit wonder. Does anybody know who sang it? Tommy Two-Tone, right? We haven't heard of him since, haven't heard anything about him. How many of you, though, at one point in your life, picked up the phone and dialed 8675309? Okay, who did it at 3 a.m. when they were in college and talked to the plumber, the 24-hour plumber that was on the other end, who said, man, I got to change this phone number? They actually took that number out of circulation because that number is a fair lawn number. And they took it out for years and years and years. And yet, today, it is a number that you can call again. And he still hears from people that know about Tommy Two-Tone. He knows the song. It's a one-hit wonder. This song was written, and they thought it was going to be completely obscure. 
They were just trying to get it together so the kids could sing it on a Christmas service. And many times what happens with those is they get put away and they get tossed aside and they get put in an attic or in a basement and it's forgotten about. And yet millions and millions and millions of people to this day sing this one hit wonder. Think about this for a second. Talk about obscure by a pastor that was ordained and went to the Holy Land with his real estate organ writer for the music side of it that didn't do it until the last minute. How do we in our faith walk walk? First of all, we're humble before God. And second of all, just as Paul said, let's be honest about ourselves and our evaluations, measuring ourselves by what the world says, by what the world shares, by the things that we hear from others, by the put downs, by the, oh, you know, you're a Christian, you're a believer. Did you hear about that? You're, you're one of those, you want to tie it together? Or do we put all those things and walk, measuring ourselves by the faith God has given us? The gift back then is still the gift now, and it's a gift of faith. How you evaluate you and how you look at you, I'm just obscure, I'm just out here, I'm just whatever it might be. Or God has put this faith in me so that I get to share it with kids with neighbors, with family, with friends, with people who are so far away from God because of how loud this world is. How busy my schedule is. How little time I truly have each and every day. And those are the things that take us away from that very faith that God has given you and given me. Here's the second thing that we learn from the song. There's no such thing as forgettable. There's no such thing as forgettable. Rick, go ahead and put these verses up. Micah 5, verses 2 and 4. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah. That Bethlehem Ephrathah is the exact village where Constantine's Basilica was built. See, there were many different Bethlehems that were in this area. But this specific Bethlehem, this one has a specific name. Micah wrote this 400 years before Jesus was born, 400 years. There were four other prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, that tie through the Bible that will support this exact place. But the reason for Micah, he's, is he the one who wrote it out? And after this book that Micah writes, God goes silent for 400 years as people wait in anticipation, silent night after silent night after silent night, waiting for the ruler to come because the ruler David was born there. And the ruler that was going to come to bring the peace would also be born there. And when we realize that and people talk to us about it or they ask us questions, we have to remember it. It's not forgettable. In fact, it says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. That promise 400 years, once again, before he was born. And sometimes we think about things that we could so easily forget and move on. Thanksgiving holiday is one of the best holidays for an example of this because in 2015, a lady sent her grandson an invitation to make sure that he would be there for Thanksgiving dinner. And the reply she got back was, who is this? 
And she was thinking, well, my grandson's, you know, being goofy. So she took a picture of herself and sent it back and said, this is your grandma. And he took a picture of himself and sent it back. They were two, two completely opposite colors. And he said, it's not my grandma, but would you save me a plate? And she wrote back, I'll absolutely save you a plate. You're invited because this is what grandmas do. We feed everyone. That was in 2015, and every year since then, those two get together. And this seemingly obscure, seemingly something that people just forget about from year to year, they still have Thanksgiving today, and they're making a movie about a text message that someone sent accidentally to the wrong person. Guys, we don't realize the things that we do and the things that we share and, and when it is that we can share something that's seemingly forgotten about, but that can be remembered when we choose to bring it up. I did a funeral this past week for a 96-year-old woman, oldest person I've ever done a funeral for. And when the guy got up to share all the different things that were going on about it, he shared all about the different family and the things that had gone on. And the church that was right next door to it was this church before it moved here. And he shared all these different things. But at the end of the day, there were things that only the family would be able to share. And they were things that should have been forgotten about. But they weren't forgotten because they had been passed on. This is the faith that God gives us. It is meant to be passed on. You and I are not obscure. And don't forget that God's hand is in it at any time. Even back to this little village where David was born and then where Jesus was born on that, as we call it, that silent night. So that leads us to the third thing. And here's the third thing. There's no such thing as amateur status. This is how Peter said it. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. Let's stop here for a second. When's the last time you thought about yourself as being a royal priest, a holy priest, a holy nation? We don't think of ourselves that way, do we? And so Peter shares this. He says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. You are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are not obscure. You are not forgettable. In fact, as a believer, he knows you by name and your name is written in his book of life. But there's so many around us that aren't. There's so many around us during this Christmas season that are struggling with this. And so Brooks wrote, going back to this time, this little town of Bethlehem, how important it was with everything that was around and had taken place at this time. Peter continues, he says, as a result, you could show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Are we showing that light? Are we sharing that light? Can people see that light in us? Are the words we use in kind? Are our tempers short and flared so that we don't show that to others? Are we giving love to people when they need that love? Are we meeting them where it is they meet them? In this darkest time of the year, what is different about you and about me? When we take ownership of this, that we are a royal priest, that we are a holy nation, and that we are God's very own possession. And let's stop here for a moment. There's no such thing as an amateur status in God's eyes. There's no such thing as a professional status in God's eyes. And so many times... People go, well, you have to talk to my priest, or you have to talk to my pastor. You need to talk to the elders. You should talk to a deacon. You should talk to a Sunday school teacher. You should talk to the head of that ministry. And so too many times we leave it up to what we see as professionals. And that's nowhere in the Bible. God took a carpenter from Nazareth with a teenage girl 
and through, him, through those two brought in the Savior for everyone. That Savior chose 12 guys who had already been passed over and looked over. Some of them were just fishermen. Paul, the greatest missionary of all times, he made tents. He took these relatively obscure, easy to forget people and said this, your amateur status is an amateur status within God's eyes. It's also not a professional status within God's eyes. It is you are a child of God and you are his possession. What is it that you will choose to do with it? And I know where people come back with it. I'm just a helper. I'm just a volunteer. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a coach. You know, I'm just, and fill in the blank, fill in the blank for you. I'm just, this is all I really am. But instead change that to this. God has me here as his possession. I am a child of God. And in his eyes, I'm not obscure. And in this area where I live, I'm not obscure. And I'm not forgettable. And it doesn't matter the status I feel I have in my eyes. It's how I live my faith and choose to live that faith with others and before others. And right now, this world needs it. The best part about it is, is that you and I get to choose. Rick, could you go back to this verse? Or is there one more after this? I don't think there is, is it? Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received mercy. So there's a process that takes place within this, within God. Could you go back to the verse of Old Little Town of Bethlehem, please? O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. You're already starting to sing it within your mind. See, Brooks, Pastor Brooks knew as he was riding on that horse that day that he was seeing the very place, taking the path to the very place that Mary and Joseph would have gone to this village would have gone to this area. Mary and Joseph were going back to be counted. They were going back to where their family had lived because this was the first census that was taking place. And where they had gone to within this little village, there was no room for them. And within our lives, where is it that we are allowing God that room, allowing his light within us so that we can shine before others? O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Would you all bow your heads, please? Andy and the praise team is going to come up as they're going to sing this invitation song. I want you to just consider this. These words are written 400 years the original words by Micah, 400 years before Jesus was ever born. And a pastor who had just gotten out of seminary wrote the words to this song that you sing to now. And it was supposed to be just a one-hit wonder. Our faith was never meant to be a one-hit wonder. And maybe you don't think anyone's listening, and maybe you don't think anybody cares. But if we don't share the words that God has given us, with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with people that we maybe have never even met yet. Where are they going to hear them? How are they going to know about them? These hymns have been preserved in these hymnals. They were written 
from the words of the Bible or they were written from the very things that had taken place within the songwriters' lives. But the guy that wrote this song wasn't a songwriter. And the person that wrote the music to it was a real estate guy. And yet through it, through these two obscure guys and what would seem to be something that was, that was going to be forgotten about, they shared words that have lasted for generation after generation after generation because God shared with them a savior that came for all. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, God, at this time, Lord, help us to understand that, God, sometimes we feel like we're forgotten about. Sometimes we feel like we're obscure, but Lord, we're anything but when it comes to you, when you look at us. Lord, we don't feel good enough at times. We feel like we have that amateur status, but you don't care about that. You gave us a gift and you gave us a light. It's up to us as to whether or not we choose to show that and share that with others. God, Christmas is a week away. Lord, help us to grab and hold on to that joy to share with our family, our friends, with everyone around us. And Lord, in every crazy moment that's going to come up this week and all the things we've forgotten, oh, the last minutes and oh, did we remember that? Lord, that we'll rest long enough in you. That we'll rest long enough to realize that this season should be about peace and hope and joy. Help us to live that before others. And most of all, help us to have the faith to live that before you. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you all please rise? If you all bow your heads and close your eyes one last time, this is a time of invitation for those who have never taken that step of faith. And it is a step of faith. Maybe you're feeling obscure. Maybe you're feeling forgotten about. Maybe you're feeling like you're just not good enough and you don't have a high enough status. But as we learn today, it's a step of faith to God. Regardless of where we're at in life, regardless how good we think we are or not, stopping long enough to recognize that God sent his son for you and for me. It was a gift and he gave everything, his one and only son. And so if you've never taken that step of faith to him and that's a step that you wanna take, just right where you stand, when you just reach your hand up to him and say, God, I wanna ask into my heart as my personal savior. If you're here today too, and you're a believer and you're kind of looking within, it's easy to get tossed around in the, the darkness of the time and the busyness and the craziness of this season. Throughout this time and through this message and through these messages, I'm sure there's times you're like, oh, I could have done this or I could focus on that. Focus on forward. Live your faith before God and live it in such a way that people can't help but see that in the way that you walk and the way that you speak by being that light. Okay, I want everyone to take a look at me now. <clears throat> Did anybody sing the song, Take a Look at Me Now, when I did that? Thought it? No? No Phil Collins things? All right. You did, right? I'd sing it, but I'm not Phil Collins. He was a drummer, by the way, first. All right, here we go. Listen. Christmas Eve is December 24th this year. It's also going to be December 24th next year, and it was December 24th last year. Our service is at 6 p.m. We are doing the second part of Silent Night. Who's excited to hear the second part of the story? Good. If you want to have anyone listen to the first part that's coming with you, let them know it's online. Share that with them. 6 p.m. 
the families and everybody. It's a family service because this is a family-run joint that we have here by people that have families. So we're all going to be here together Christmas Day, 10 a.m. Santa's coming. So is Jesus. We're going to be here back. Same thing, family time. January 1th, we're taking off. Everyone got it? This Saturday, 6 p.m. Sunday, Christmas Day, 10 a.m. We're coming together, all families, all the time. We got it? Challenge yourself this week. Don't let anybody make you feel like you're obscure. And in God's eyes, you're not forgettable. Don't think you have to have a special status to show the light of the Lord. He gave it to all of us. Let's be faithful. Let's go ahead and finish with this final verse. Good morning, everybody. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. I'm glad to see everybody here today. Um, got a couple announcements for everyone. Christmas Eve service is going to be at 6 p.m. Um, there is going to be, this is going to be a family event. There is going to be no children's services in the back. We encourage everybody to come in, uh, in here and worship together and uh, sing some songs and have a good time with that. Um, Christmas Day services will be at 10 a.m. The middle school and children's church are going to be singing a song for us during service. So we encourage everybody again to be in here. Uh, get your cameras, uh, your phones ready. Sorry, I dated myself. But get your phones ready. Um, sit out here, enjoy, get, snap some pictures um, and some videos there and, and join us for that. Um, there also, church services will not be held on New Year's Day, which is January 1st, obviously. Um, so we will resume services back on January 8th. Hope Outreach is still in need of some cold weather gear. Hats, gloves, scarves, boots, uh, mittens, uh, pants, socks, um, anything in that department would go a long way. And I know some people would be greatly appreciative of that. Men's and women's studies won't be meeting this week. Uh, the women's studies will restart January 12th with a new study titled Anointed, Transformed, Redeemed, the Study of David. And lastly, uh, Combined Bible Study will not meet until after the holidays. Thank you.